Papo, not Papo. Come on down to Papo's used car lot. <laughs> I will use your cars a lot. Just give me the keys and we're off. You don't need to know what we're going to use your cars for, my friend. That's the Papo guarantee. Dear listeners, cars and mothers, <laughs> let's all get <laughs> out tonight and listen oh. to apparently Richard Marks. <laughs> Kai has it on audio cassette still. He doesn't have a thing to play it on, but he's got that cassette no. in near mint condition. Oh no, it's nearly worn through from use. Oh, it's, it's basically transparent. Damn near. Kind of coffee colored. <laughs> I, I'd say more like piss colored, but that's just because I'm not a big Richard Marks fan over here. <laughs> I pissed all over that fucking cassette while you was asleep one night. Still played. Still played. Why is my cassette all wet and stinks like piss? Except you never stayed the night at my house. That's true. I didn't. Well, I no. did that one time after the house fire, but that's because I didn't have a home. Oh, yeah. I get to sleep on Kai's floor tonight. <laughs> and this is never happening again. And it didn't. Well, you know, hey, it's better than nothing. Oh, God. What a way to start. Dear listeners, welcome back to the show that talks about stuff on purpose that's right the show that wastes your time on purpose it's trapo it's a trapo who are we i don't know the fuck we are i'm me (laughs) you're you i'm me Uh, i'm dustin he's kai and today we're gonna talk about something on purpose something amazing something weird something stupid something awful something transcendent i don't know whatever the fuck you want to call it it doesn't matter that's for you to decide ultimately we're just people who are going to talk about something you make up your own mind don't let anybody else tell you how to how to feel about anything but anyway we're going to tell you how to feel about something soon <laughs> because first we got a thing we do on this what? show we do a thing we got a thing well thing we call the, the exchange, exchange. And uh, we're trying it out. We just talk about briefly, briefly, stuff we want to recommend to each other and to you, all three of you. We got those three. What have you got for me? What have you got for me, motherfucker? Hey, relax with that shit. What the fuck have you got for me, piece of shit? I have a weird fucking album that I listened to just the other day called Shook World by King Vision Ultra. 21 songs long, but it's 58 minutes long. Hip-hop mixtape format. I have no idea who King Vision Ultra is. I did not do any research on this, but I just listened to it. And some of it is like weird avant-garde fucking rap noise. It's one called Paper Chase, parentheses, Snippet. King Vision Ultra featuring Dream Crusher. Weird fucking strange shit. I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about it but it's definitely worth checking out i just listened to it i haven't really delved deep into it it just came out at the end of january 2023 shook world by king vision ultra you should check it out what you got for me recommend me some shit i don't know how well this one's gonna go over i watched a movie recently it's been reissued i think it was it came out a few years ago it has recently been reissued from the american genre film archive much to my surprise uh it's called bat pussy I guess technically it may count as the first adult film movie parody. It is about a woman named Bat Pussy who uh, she fights crime in the sense that she's trying to take down like smut peddlers or something. It invariably involves sex. I mean, it's technically porn. I don't even know how to describe it. This movie is out of its mind. It was made in the 70s by people who have, no one knows who they are. No one knows who made this movie. The people who made the movie are still unidentified. It's like a nightmare. You're just trying to understand the minds who piece this movie together. And then you realize you can't understand these minds. 
It's called Bat Pussy. I don't know how to dis- I don't I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> what else do you need to know? It's called Bat Pussy. It's available. You can buy this on Blu-ray, the uh, American Genre Film Archive and uh, they've made Bat Pussy available for anyone <laughs> to watch. I just wanted to mention it because how often am I going to get to talk about Bat Pussy? It is an adult film. So that's going to keep a lot of people from actually watching. And that's perfectly understandable. Here's the thing. There's nothing erotic about this movie. And instead of being sexy, it's actually kind of revolting. Buy the Blu-ray. Listen to the (laughs) commentaries that try to explain some of the behind the scenes. The best they can, because no one knows how this movie was made. Once again, I I have to stress this. They don't know. It's like it just appeared out of thin air one day. It's like a fucking curse. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I fucked up. Bat pussy. (laughs) Somebody at some point, a hundred years from now, might stumble upon this episode to hear me say bat pussy 17 times. <laughs> and they, they yeah. might be compelled to check it out on the hollow vid or whatever the fuck they're watching TV on at that point. That's it. I'm done. The, the exchange is done. Maybe forever. I don't know if we can come back from this. I think mm-hmm. I broke the exchange. I think it's done. Bat yeah. pussy broke the exchange. You t- tell people to watch bat pussy. It's kind of a good ending point. <laughs> Yeah, so this is rock bottom. Welcome to Trapo. We're going to talk about stuff on purpose tonight. Are we starting over? (laughs) Eventually. Well, the exchange is over, dear listener. Now it's time for the meat in the shit sandwich. (laughs) And uh, the meat in this case is a little film. For me, it seemingly came out of nowhere. I guess it's been making the rounds and people know about it. The right people know about it. 2022 release. Technically, it's 2023. Its it's theatrical release was this year. It was making the rounds in the uh, festival circuit. Skidamarink. That's the name of the movie. It is, in fact, named after the Sharon Lois and Bram song. I, I, I figured it was like a coincidence. It was like a demon that they identified throughout the course of the movie. The Skeena Marink, whatever the fuck. No. Yeah. I, I read an interview with the director where he literally just said that. In America, at least for me, I remember a show on PBS called The Elephant Show. It always ended with Sharon Lois and Bram singing that song. I know the whole song. I've known the whole song basically my entire life. I played the song on YouTube. The end theme to the Elephant Show. I knew every every word. 32 years later, probably. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Some things you don't forget, apparently. I guess the name was inspired by the song from Sharon Lois and Bram. Not spelled the same. You're making an experimental horror film. It's a little abstract. A lot of people just aren't going to latch onto it. So what do you name it? Let's name it Skidamarink. Let's alienate everybody. Two for Skidamarink. Apparently, this movie is a hit. It was a hit, Kai. Mm. A theatrical hit. I did watch it with the my twins, and one of them was like, oh, I remember seeing that picture somewhere recently online of the kids sitting on the ceiling. What's well, the movie poster? Was yeah. the movie poster, yeah. I didn't know any of this until recently because I didn't know the movie existed. This went completely under my radar. In 2017, a young filmmaker named uh, Kyle Edward Ball, he uploaded his first video, Bite Sized Nightmares. At the end of that video, it was called uh, Nightmare One. It ends with a message that asks people who watch the video to uh, post in the comments below about their own nightmares when they were a kid. Over time, the director adapted a number of those nightmares into short videos on his YouTube channel. They always would say between like the ages of maybe four, six, ten. 
I would begin to have these nightmares about being left alone in my house. I can't find my parents. I can't find my siblings. I'm all alone, but I know there's something else in there with me, something evil. And of course, when you're a kid and you're alone, even if it's your own house in the middle of the night, you feel like you're all by yourself. The lights are off. You hear strange noises. There's always strange noises in your house. And when you're a kid, your imagination runs wild. You don't know what the hell's going on. Kyle Edward Ball decided to try to tap into that with, I believe, in the year 2020. His magnum opus on his YouTube channel, a short film called Heck, the point of view of a small child trapped in basically an endless nightmare. He'd used Heck as a proof of concept for what he wanted to flesh out into a feature-length film. And eventually, he I don't remember what the crowdfunding platform was, but he ended up gathering his budget, which had, what, approximately like $15,000, through crowdfunding. He borrowed film equipment from a university. He's, from, he's a Canadian boy. He was born in Edmonton, Alberta. Over the course of seven days, he shot a feature film in his childhood home, the home that his parents still lived in. And uh, a lot of the toys that you see in the film are actually his childhood toys. Not the Legos. Those were a friend of his had a shit ton of Legos and said, yeah, you can use these for the movie. Including that creepy ass Fisher Price phone. That was his phone when he was a kid. Yeah. That was his phone in storage at his parents' house. Fucking toy box in the basement somewhere. His assistant director, I believe his name was Josh Buckhalter, he died shortly after they finished the film. He also did the onset, the sound recording for the movie. Kyle Ball, he was mourning the loss of his friend, but he was also worried because the recorded sound was on his late friend's computer. Well, what's going to happen to his computer now? So he wanted to make sure that the sound was uh, intact so that he could use it in the movie, mostly because he wanted to use the sound that his friend recorded. He could have re-recorded it, but he wanted to make sure his friend's work was preserved having a conversation with the family of his late friend and they let him use the computer and get all the audio off of it so he could use it to find the final film they have a little credit in the beginning of the movie it says without their help this movie couldn't have been finished which is which is which is a nice thing to do but yeah he made skin and he got a deal ifc midnight and shutter horror streaming service owned by amc ifc midnight would handle a limited theatrical distribution and Shudder would handle the online distribution. Before that, they were going to throw it out at a bunch of film festivals. It was going to run the circuit. And late 2022, it started doing just that. Now, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but a lot of film festivals, especially they started this during the, uh, uh, the pandemic, for people who couldn't come in person, they would allow them to view the films in their film festivals remotely through the internet and uh, was screening Skinnamarink. Something happened. There was some glitch, and uh, it was able to be downloaded. People downloaded it, and they pirated it, and they began to disseminate it across the internet. The movie blew up on TikTok and Reddit. It went viral, as the kids would say. That's how it became the sensation online, because of the piracy, because people didn't know it existed before that. Kyle Ball, he was thinking, holy shit, IFC Midnight and Shudder, they're going to try to pull out of it. The distribution deal, it's everywhere. Anyone can watch it. This is it. My career is over before it started. Much to his shock and surprise, his friends at IFC Midnight and Shudder decided, no, we're not going to back out the deal. It was supposed to come out theatrically in October this year after a successful film festival run. Okay, we're going to bump up the release strategy by 10 months 
No, no, no. We'll put it out in January. Do it now. All right. They didn't put it out in like two or three theaters. This got a theatrical run in America. It actually got a run in theaters, like major theatrical distribution. I didn't know any of this until two days after it had left my local theater. Otherwise, I would have watched it. <laughs> and uh, for a movie that cost $15,000 to make, its theatrical gross was just over $2 million, which is an incredible success story for a movie that's been pirated and is easily available to watch online and uh, well, not just for that but two million dollars for a movie that let's charitably say is not audience friendly people have been comparing it to the blair witch project and that was the traditional narrative actors on camera all the time it wasn't abstract it was just a movie this is not just a movie it's not something most people would be able to just sit and watch. This is a different kind of experience. A wonderfully surprising theatrical run. I mean, really good for them. I'm not just saying that. I'm very happy for them because the people who wanted to see this movie, they found it and they saw it in the theaters. Except for me, because I didn't know it was out. And one thing, I didn't know any of this until after I watched the movie. I didn't even watch a trailer. I just figured, fuck it. It's on Shutter today. And I guess this, I have to lead it. This is probably the perfect way to watch the movie for me. It was after yeah. midnight. I was tired. I, I had nothing going on. The house was dark. Skidamarink is, it just went live on Shutter. I don't know what the fuck this movie is. It's funny. I had almost the exact opposite experience. The laundry was going. The dishwasher was going. There were people wandering around. The dogs were barking. The lights were on and off. I think this movie, it's important to have the right ambiance. I don't think I necessarily had the right uh, situation to watch it. I'd like to watch it again by myself in a fucking dark basement somewhere. Well, a lot of people uh, first watched the movie since it was pirated. They watched it on their tablets. They watched it on their laptops. That's how they first encountered the movie. And that's how it blew up for them. It caught on for them. I'm glad I watched it that way the first time. There are people watching it and far from ideal conditions and somehow it it hit for them so i'm not saying like you have to watch it this one way for it to work i don't think that's true because i mean if i'd watched it in the theater it would have hit differently i don't know if it would have hit better i've watched movies in weird conditions and, and they've become beloved there's just something about watching anything on a laptop that's long the experience doesn't feel important to me it has to be at least a tv like an actual television for me to for me to really commit to something and but it's more than like five or ten minutes long so i i can't watch a movie on a laptop or a tablet i just can't do that but i'm not like a 17 or 18 year old kid it's a completely different way to grow up they're used to uh, ingesting media in a different way i'm not going to judge them for their experiences i just it's just not the same thing it's not the same experience for me it's a different world kai different world bro yeah i watched the movie late at night part of it was the first time because i was tired i didn't get bored watching the movie the movie tries to create what and this is a word i've always wanted to use more often a hypnagogic state that twilight between sleepfulness and wakefulness you're kind of in between the movie tries to recreate that it tries to put you as a viewer into that Basically from the beginning, there's no point in the movie where it's conventional. Before everything goes wrong in the context of the film, it's still not a normal movie. It puts you on edge from the beginning. It's never trying to be a normal movie. It's never trying to be a conventional motion picture. I've seen uh, movies where they had, you know, an intro like this. So after like 15, 20 minutes... 
you're kind of like, okay, are you going to get to see the kids that you can kind of hear? No, you don't. No. Okay. It's just this view. Okay. That's just what it is the whole time. After a while, it's like either they're going with this whole time or maybe they're going to change. No, they're not changing it up. That's what it is. Well, this is the movie. That's the movie. Like you said, I think going into it, not knowing anything about it also helps. You could easily have preconceived notions if you heard someone talking about it. It's just the fucking kids walking around. For one, all the sound that you hear in the movie added in post-production, including all the, like, the dialogue that you hear mm-hmm. from the kids, which is spare. One of the reasons why I think 90% of the time you don't actually see the kids, even though you know they're just off camera, at least in context of the events of the film. One of the reasons I think is because, I mean, if you got seven days to make a movie, one of the kids, their names are Kevin and Kaylee. Kevin is confirmed to be like four years old. Kaylee is definitely older. She's probably like six or eight. You don't want to have these very young kids on your set the entire time for days and days i think the other reason is based on what happens in the context of the film the actual events that unfold you would have to ask a lot of very young children there are instances when if these kids were meant to be seen on camera you would have to have a four-year-old uh inflicting harm on himself existing in a state of terror a four-year-old kid can't fake that you can't tell a four-year-old kid to act like he's terrified fucking over the top goofy silly instead of actually terrified or you would actually scare the kid yeah and if you do something like that to a small child that's tantamount to child abuse yeah i understand Mm -hmm. the many reasons why you can't have this stuff occur on camera beyond that i think you as a viewer fill in a lot of these gaps yourself if all you hear is a small child breathing heavily and you hear panicked footsteps what you see is darkness your eyes can kind of trick you do you see a shape you don't know your mind fills in a lot of those gaps but you know hey you know i'm in the minority i guess based on the lot of reviews i read people uh they really wanted to see the kids uh get put through the ringer on camera i went deep reading reviews and a lot of these people kind of make me feel very uncomfortable you wanted to see a kid take a fucking utility knife and jam it into his eye that's what you wanted to see on camera okay why didn't we get to see uh, the action they said it was like paranormal activity but boring paranormal activity sucked this is a much more interesting film just in its foundation because it's trying to do something it's taking basically the same kind of premise and coming at it from a completely different angle with no money some of that shit i want to understand how they did it because you know they didn't have the money to make a set that looks like his parents house upside down but that stuff looked seamless yeah how the fuck did they do that when that kid's walking across the ceiling in that corridor how did you do it look i'm sure if you ask the director he can explain it to you and it's actually a very simple solution but the way it looks on yeah. camera it just looks like somehow this guy has fucking suction cups on his feet and filmed upside down I guess you could look at it and say there are only certain scenes that appeared to be filmed from a child's perspective. The rest of it was all right. more like a third person view. Yeah. But here's and the I guess thing. the the rest what of them are it wasn't a third person view. Yeah. You don't know. It, there's the malignancy in this house. Right. Something is there. And it could have been there from the beginning. And that could have been the perspective. Yeah. You could have been seeing through the eyes of the fucking ghost creature. Let's describe like the barest plot of Skin and Marine. We're just rambling about the film now. The, the plot, there are two kids, Kevin and Kaylee. At the very beginning of the film, Kevin, his sister, implies that he was sleepwalking. We hear him counting and then he either falls down the stairs or is pushed down the stairs.
if he was pushed on the stairs, we don't know what did it. Because the next thing you see is like the lights coming on in his, in his father's bedroom. You never see anything outside, but you hear doors slam, a car engine rev up. He's rushing his son to the hospital and he comes home, calls somebody on the phone. I guess I, I would presume it's his, it's the boy's mother, but we don't know. So he's fine, but Kevin fell down the stairs his head. Kaylee says that he was sleepwalking. He doesn't need stitches, but that's it. That's the only time you hear their kid's father talk in the entire movie, because after that, he's gone. Something happens overnight mm -hmm. in this house. All the windows disappear. The front door and the back door disappear. They go? So does the dad. The dad disappears. The mother was never there. She was never in the picture. Literally, she wasn't there. Yeah. But the father was, and now he's not. The kids are basically left to deal with this horrifying situation. That's the basic premise of the movie. The kids don't know what the hell's happening. They never really learn what's happening. I mean, well, they kind of do, but at their peril, there are no answers given. Not really. As a viewer, you're left, I guess normally I would say to interpret this however you want to try to solve the mystery. But the fact is, I don't think there's a mystery here. I don't think it matters. It is what it is. The movie is a nightmare. Don't try to figure it out. Just try to experience it because that's what's happening to the kids but there's clearly something at work in this house that is and basically it wants to play with the children i would probably call it a demon if it's anything this thing wants to play with the children and the only way it knows how to play with the children is by torturing them at first it starts to take away comfort lights stop working in certain parts of the house the toilet disappears so they have to use buckets to relieve themselves in. One of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, you watch the nightlight. You see the nightlight pulled out of the socket on the ground. They plug it back in. And then a few minutes later, something switches it off. It just doesn't want that nightlight on. Eventually, all the lights in the house stop working. I can't pull it with the lights on. Except for the TV in the living room. The kids yeah. camp out in the living room and they watch videotape of old public domain cartoons on a loop because that's all they have. And they're trying to just, they're just trying to, to live as things slowly get taken away from them. Kevin brings down a bunch of Legos and his stuffed animals to play with. And then those start getting taken away from him too. He wakes up to see his Legos and his stuffed toys dangling from a wall. VHS tapes are stuck to the wall. I mean... This thing starts taking away comfort from them, the things that make them happy, the things that give them any kind of sense of security. The lights go away, they can't relieve themselves, their toys disappear. This thing is just fucking with them. And then it tells little Kaylee to come upstairs. And that's the scene that fucked me up. She goes into her parents' bedroom, and her dad oh, so, is there. Is that where she sees dad and then yeah. sees mom? Sitting on one side of the bed, doesn't react to her presence at all. Look under the bed. Look under the bed. We are seeing through her eyes in the sequence. Um, yeah. And her dad's gone, but her mother is sitting on the opposite side of the bed, facing away from her. Kaylee, your father. We love you very much. I need you to close your eyes. She just tells her to close her eyes, but you hear this banging, all this weird fucking noise. She tells her to go back downstairs. You hear painful moaning and this weird sound that almost sounds like bones breaking. Kaylee. Someone here. 
the second time I watched it, I turned on the subtitle to help to uh, answer some of my questions. In that moment, the subtitle comes up and says, Bones Crunching. I'm like, okay. This little girl hears her mother moaning in pain, and then she hears the sounds of bones crunching. Flash of light, you hear a scream, and cuts away immediately. <laughs> That's really fucking unnerving. What the fuck just happened? The movie's not interested in filling in the gaps. It doesn't care. Something fucking horrible just happened. She goes downstairs. Kevin asks what happened upstairs. She doesn't answer him. What she does is she says, help me move the couch. Because she, she wants to block the fucking, the entranceway to give her some false sense of security. It doesn't help, but she has to do something. That's the only thing she can think to do. And once again, you get the feeling throughout the entire movie that these kids have no chance. They're just children. Right. And they're completely fucked because this entity is holding all the cards. And things just get worse from then. I guess we'll just spoil the whole thing. It doesn't matter. Kaylee disappears. Kevin, this little four-year-old boy, left on his own. Kaylee? Kaylee? Hello? He's told to go into the basement by the same voice. <laughs> and he finds his sister in the basement and you hear her voice she's saying like I'm scared I feel strange and then he sees her the only time in the entire movie you see a full on close up of another human being's face she has no eyes and no mouth she's gone after that point you don't see her again she's gone Kevin is terrified his sister has no face anymore and he runs upstairs and you know, things just get worse from there the voice tells him to stab himself in the eye with a knife <laughs> think he does it because the demon tells him to i think that the voice made him do it because the voice can make him do things the voice can make him sleep the voice compels mm. him to do things so i don't think he did it of his own volition i'm not, I'm not saying the kid was stupid and just jammed a knife in his in his face you can imagine an invisible hand grabbing his arm and forcing him to do it the kid doesn't have a choice sure doesn't seem to he gets one bright spot when you think maybe something can change when he realizes the phone which had been disconnected before has a dial tone. He calls 911 and he tells the operator. The operator is telling him to be brave. We're going to send somebody. We're going to help you out. But the little kid, little Kevin, has this moment when he realizes, oh, wait, there's no door. Even if someone shows up, they can't help me. There's no door. How are they going to get in? The phone drops. A few minutes later, he talks to the darkness. He says, that was you, wasn't it? The voice just starts laughing. It was just a game. There was no one on the other end of that phone. The voice was just playing a game with him. And he realized it. This little kid is starting to figure shit out. And it's a fucked up laugh. It echoes in the darkness and you think you can see something moving around in that darkness maybe just a little bit. But you don't know. You don't know for sure. And it's really fucking freaky. And then after that, everything goes off the rails. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. There's no rhyme or reason to what happens next. You see images that seem disconnected. The kid is suddenly walking on the ceiling of the house. And the voice compels him to keep moving forward. And then you have that creepy little moment where the voice says, don't worry, I'll protect you. I, I trust you. You'll protect me. Little Kevin walks into this. It turns out to look like an endless fucking corridor where all of his toys 
have been placed now. They keep crossfading further and further away from that that pile of toys, and you realize this this hallway has no end. There are two bits of text that come up throughout the movie. One of them is the date 1995 at the beginning. Identifies the year in which the movie takes place, I guess. We don't know for sure, but probably. And the other one occurs right there. 572 days comes up. 572 days since what? Right. Like, since the beginning? Or since, like, between scenes? That's a uh-huh. long time. Maybe 25, 30 minutes into this movie, uh, something happened and we paused it, asked the girls what they thought. One of them was like, it just depends on if this is one day or if it's stretched out. And at that point, you don't really know. Things haven't really gotten fucking weird yet. And then the door disappears and then daddy's gone. And you don't necessarily know how long it's been. <laughs> Because it's just all dark. There's no sunlight. Yeah, she she kind of right off the bat was like, is it a day or is it a fucking year? I was like, well, it hadn't been a year yet. And once again, this is taking, this is upside down. The kid's flashlight is pointing up at the corner of a hallway. You hear screaming and then you see the splash of blood appear in the hallway on the carpet. And you hear laughing and then it disappears. And then the blood reappears and then you hear the screaming and then you hear the laughing. <laughs> This loop of torture. At first, I was thinking that this is something that's happening to Kevin. The little boy's being torn apart by something again and again and again. And the second time I watched it, like I said, I had the subtitles on. The subtitles identify it as the older child screaming. So if that is, in fact, the case, then what we're watching is Kevin, from his perspective, holding the flashlight, watching his sister be torn apart by this force again and again and again. Once again, you have to understand, this is a four-year-old boy. The last piece of security he, he had left was his older sister. And now she's she's not gone she's being destroyed again and again and again before his very eyes by something that doesn't operate by any rules that we know or understand something that can just do whatever the fuck it wants and it tells him that much it literally tells him i can do whatever i want which is just spooky as shit and it wants to play it tells him that too That was the other thing. I think it enjoyed playing for quite a long time, but it eventually gets bored with this game. That's the thing that really bugs me. The thing that really fucks me up about this movie is that these are small children. They don't deserve this. But this thing just targeted them because it wants to. It's destroying them, and it's having a good time doing it. There's no way out. You don't get a happy ending for these little kids. They're screwed. In the last scene of the movie, you see in the darkness, for the first and only time, something like a face appear it never gets clear but if you squint you can almost make out features and it's just there hovering at the edge of the darkness but he asks it what's your name the second time you hear what's your name it's distorted deeper and creepier that's the entity just repeating the question back at him like a bird it's not answering the question or maybe it is answering the question this is one of the things people have theories right they have theories about this movie one of the theories is that kevin 
who fell down the stairs at the beginning of the movie is in fact in a coma or on the verge of death. The reason why what's happening in this movie is actually a consequence of his slowly dying. And at the end of the movie, this face appears out of nowhere and tells him to go to sleep. Not just to go to sleep, but to die, to let go. And he asks it what its name is. And the only way it can answer is by asking him what his name is, because they're one and the same. I mean, look, this is a movie that's not giving you any answers, so if you want, you could look at it that way, I guess. But if that's the case, the only thing that, that really sticks out for me in that case is you have an entire sequence that takes place through Kaylee's perspective. Kevin has no idea what's going on there. And he even asks her, and she doesn't answer. If this is all of, like a fever dream, Kevin's dying moments as he's lying at the bottom of the stairs or maybe he's in a coma at the hospital, how does he know the parts he wasn't there for? How did you know about the parts you weren't there for? Pay attention to when you can actually see what's happening on screen on the television. It actually is thematically relevant. There's one cartoon that shows two little kids just slipping into a dreamland. That wasn't chosen at random. And there's another, that scene when it shows the, it's repeated, the, the entity forces this this one sequence to repeat on the television ad nauseum this one little rabbit character makes himself disappear in front of a dog and the dog gets surprised and it's very very unnerving One of the things I think is interesting is the way the movie was shot. I don't even know, like, when you look at this movie, how would you describe the aesthetic? What does it look like to you? Because to me, it looks like somehow they shot a movie on VHS and then transferred it to film and showed mm -hmm. that in theaters. This is an old 16-millimeter film print of a movie shot on VHS. That's what it looks like. And I don't understand why the director chose to emulate both of those aesthetics simultaneously, but for some reason it works. Who would do that? The movie was shot on modern cameras in low-light conditions. When you start to crank up the ISO, like you can actually see what's happening through your viewfinder, but it also starts to add uh, digital noise. It kind of looks like film grain. This is a quote from an IndieWire article. Depending on the camera, an ISO of 800 or higher can introduce digital noise to the picture. Director of photography Jamie McRae told IndieWire the entirety of Skinnerink was shot at ISOs between 51,000 and 102,000. It was deliberately cranked that up shit cranked. to an insane degree. That digital grain in every image it creates patterns and it dances on the screen. It can play tricks with your mind when you're watching it. You're like, wait, you almost think you're seeing something at times, even when there's nothing there. There's no such thing as a pure black in that kind of situation. It's gray or it's blue or it's purple. It's like a blown out VHS tape that they transferred to 16 millimeter. It's such a bizarre choice, but I think it's amazing because I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, what the fuck is this? Does the whole movie look like this? Yes. And if you can't get into it, switch it off immediately. Because just turn it off. After, yeah, you can't get past the first 20 minutes. And no, you just turn it off. There's an hour and 40 minutes left. You can stop. That is my complaint about this. I feel like it could have legitimately been 30 minutes shorter and been just as good. There's that one moment, because uh, you watched but the it, short film, Heck, right? Yeah, you yeah. watched that. It doesn't count days. It counts sleeps. Yeah, that, a, that helped me understand the movie better, I think. Also, seeing it that way. Way. Whereas in the movie, like you said, it just goes 572 and then shit gets crucial after that. That was some turning point. But you don't know what the fuck that means. I mean, in heck, they did, they even took it so far as to go, the loop lasts 10 years, 3,872 days. That last 
last moment when the kid walks into the, the mother's room and says, I think we're in hell. And then it ends. Jesus Christ. There were some cool scenes. The cinematography is weird. Why is there a step in front of that door? Oh, he's on the ceiling. He's doing some Spider-Man shit right now. He doesn't want to. He has to go back, but it, it doesn't answer him. That one little moment near the end when he says, can we watch something happy now? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, little kid. You can never watch anything happy again. And at that point, you know, he knows there's something else going on here because he's just talking to nothing. I think, yeah, that part, the only part I don't really like is the the second time you see the Fisher-Price phone because that's the only real jump scare in the movie. Yeah, there's two or three. There's two or three loud noises. This is the big one. The eyes of the phone, which are kind of looking up. They're They're looking up. They lock right into the camera, and along with this ringing noise, you know what would have been creepy in that scene is if the eyes moved slowly. And even you don't even realize they're moving until the phone's looking into the camera, and there's no noise. There's just the eyes looking at you. That would have been so much more creepy than jump scare with the phone noise. That was the only time when it, when the movie felt cheap to me. Oh, you didn't need to do that. Thanks for that Fisher-Price phone. I mean, really, that first time you see the phone, flashlight just kind of scans over it. That's creepy enough. That's all I need. Didn't we have one of those somewhere around Yeah, house or somewhere? We all had a Fisher-Price nightmare phone. A film critic named Kim Newman, he's actually a pretty cool dude. He drew a correlation between Skinamarink and a cartoon, which, after reading it, it made perfect sense. The story reminded him of a Daffy Duck cartoon that was uh, directed by Chuck Jones called Duck Amok. In that story, Daffy Duck is basically being tormented by an animator. Like, it, it erases him, it redraws him, it changes his world. Listen, pal, let's discuss this thing sanely, huh? Look, I tell you what, you go your way, and I'll go mine. Live and let live, right? Right. It's a joke, obviously, in the context of the cartoon. If anything, the movie Skidamarink really does feel like that. The entity is the animator. This poor little kid is Daffy Duck. Enough is enough. This is the final, the, the very, very last straw. Who is responsible for this? I demand that you show yourself. Who are you? It's like the really spooky, abstract horror version of Duck Amok. There's actually something to be said there, because it's the idea of a tyrannical ruler who can control your reality to suit their whim, just right, to fuck yeah. with you. And that's the, that's what's happening. I don't know. I just thought that was yeah. interesting. I have to admit, the, I, movies don't really, get, like, when I watch a horror movie, I don't really get, like, bothered. It, it, it's, oh my god, I think I'm really freaked out by it. But there's something to be said about the idea behind Skin and Genuinely creepy. The idea that, hey, you know what? Everything's fine. And then it's not fine. You can't get out now. There's no door. Yeah. There's no windows. You can't call for help. You're just here now for as long as this thing wants you to be. And this thing wants you forever. That's really fucking creepy. Really fucks with my head in a way that most horror movies just don't anymore. Because they literalize everything. They show you the carnage. This movie just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to imply a whole bunch of terrible things happening. But your imagination is going to fill out the rest. And if you've got a vivid imagination, I feel very sorry for you. Turns out I have a vivid imagination because of this shit made me very uncomfortable. I watched this movie blind. I didn't even know what the fuck it was. I was blown away by this fucking thing. I watched it twice. I was like, this is nuts. This shit's nuts. What the fuck is happening? Yeah, I definitely want to revisit it. I think it's a little long otherwise i uh i did enjoy it an interesting way to make a cheap 
different movie. I don't mean cheap like in a bad way. I mean like it was literally can, cheap. <laughs> like like you can tell they had no budget, but that doesn't really matter that much in the end. It still accomplishes its goal. I think it was a very effective haunted house movie. This concludes our discussion. We're done talking about this movie. What do you think? Maybe the Trapeau Essentials canon? I know you're going to say no, but I'm going to say yes because this shit's fucking nuts and I love it. This guy made a movie so fucking abstract and experimental and it got under my fucking skin in a way that movies just don't for me anymore. I think it's great. I want it in the canon. You know, I'd say I liked it enough that I would uh, put it in the canon. Aliens need to uh, this. Actually, I think aliens might just like fall asleep at the wheel and crash into a sun or something if they watch Skitter Inc. I don't, I don't know if they're gonna be mad into this. Shit, I'd like to see him try though. So, are we loading this up into the cannon? Are aliens gonna try to to this and then pass out because they're so fucking bored? They're just gonna wonder why the TV is out of focus. Okay, so great. Is that so? It's a thing. It's actually Skitter Inc. Is in the Trapo Essentials canon. I'm going to have to personally send the director of Skinnerink a, a, a message on Instagram and tell him his, his movie's in the Trapo canon, which is so much better than going to all these film festivals and all those accolades. So this is the one that matters. But he's, he needs to know. He's going to listen to this episode. He's going to send us a cease and desist order. And he's going to call his lawyer. Stop talking about my movie traps. So that's the thing, dear listener. We we just talked about Skidamarink for a, for way too long. And now we're done talking about Skidamarink. And, bye. Uh, yeah, don't don't jump the gun, Kai. All that's left to say is bye. No, all that's left to say <laughs> is there is a conversation going on right now. Apparently, there's like a thousand comments about black metal that we're going to get to. But there's this conversation going on on the Trapo blog, the official Trapo blog. We need you to be a part of it. Otherwise, we're probably going to stop doing this show. Mm. We're desperate for comments. Anyway, go to traposhow.blogspot.com. Find the poster of your choosing. Leave a comment. Tell us what you think about Skinnamarink. Did you watch it? Did you pass out watching it? Do you think aliens are going to pass out while they're trying to jump to it? For the love of God, tell us. And you, you could even tell us that in an email. They if you won't. want to, you can email us at traposhow at gmail.com. T-R-A-P-P-O show at gmail.com. Uh, this is it. This is, this is it. Chapel's done. I forgot what we, what, how I wrap up every show. I literally oh, forgot yeah. what I was saying. Go ahead. You say it. I'll just cut it in so that you say it. All, all that's left to say is... Get the fuck off the internet. I'll, I'll mix it up, so that time they'll get to say it. What, what just happened? What? They don't know any better, Kai. They're fucking idiots.
Poo.